I'm Birna, a certified sex educator tackling topics at the intersection of health, culture, and sexuality. I'll answer questions ranging from the health-related to the raunchy. I want to show that we are all more alike than we might think, and our intimate lives don't begin and end in bed. This is Beyond the Bedroom. Hi, Mal. Hello, Birna. <laughs> Hello. So with me today is a very special guest and my best friend in the entire world. So what an honor to have you with us. Yes. So Mal uses they, them pronouns, and I use she, her pronouns. And I'm really excited to have you on because you are a great cultural commentator you always have a hot take and for this topic social media and dating you have kind of shown me a lot of shit from like tinder matches <laughs> on social media so i thought it would be fun to have you on and just kind of discuss our our various hot takes when it comes to social media and dating i've also sent you a couple like disaster yeah, uh, for sure. Screenshots. But we can talk everything from catfishing to <laughs> <laughs> to uh, when people don't look like what they advertise as to everything in between. So I asked my Instagram followers, my lovely audience, is social media a factor for you when you're dating someone new? And what I meant by that is like, if you met them through a friend or Tinder or wherever, do you look up their social media and do you look for something specific? So do you? I mean, I think I definitely do. So I think the dating apps themselves, at least, which is usually how I meet new potential dating partners, have really streamlined that process where almost all of them have a way for you to link your social media. Right. So whether it's Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, I assume it's for sort of verification purposes. So you kind of know you're dealing with a real human being as opposed to a bot, which is surprisingly rampant, even in 2021. Right. I thought that would be a relic of the past, but it's not. So it's not necessarily something I investigate. If I'm talking to someone beyond just a couple messages and then that's it, I will look at their account. But it's not so much for... Like I'm looking for something specific. Like they have to meet certain things. It's mostly for like, okay, they're a real person. They've posted relatively recently. But even that, it's not like I, they need to meet some quota. Right. Right. It's more so just like, okay, you're a real person. Let me see some other pictures besides the ones you've chosen to put on your profile. I think it's sort of, especially in the queer community, it's sort of expected that you do that. Right. You know, there's the whole like grinder cliche of like face pick, please, of like, you know, people who don't show their picture right away, you're immediately discounted. There's almost yeah. like an expectation to be very forthright with your social media accounts. For sure. I think it's definitely a safety thing for me too. I'm always like, is this person legit. I like to see them in photos with other people or photos of other people. I don't really care as much about the amount of followers, but I don't know. There's something weird when someone only has like 25 or something. You're like, um, like, do you, <laughs> do you know anyone? I, I don't know. It's like that. <laughs> and that Cause like that could just be like a fake account that got lucky with 25 followers. You never know. I don't know. I get wary about like, if something feels off, I'm very like, mm, 
I don't know. They have no tagged photos, for example. But then again, like there's people that just don't ever use social media, which I don't think would work for me because, you know, at least my husband has an Instagram account. You know what I mean? Like if he didn't even have that, he never uses it. But like if he just was like, no, I hate it and it's a cult and blah, blah, blah. I'd be (laughs) like, uh... Well, you're in for a treat. (laughs) (laughs) It's definitely sort of, not necessarily a red flag in all cases, but I think it definitely speaks to, like, what are you hiding sometimes? Like, why don't you feel comfortable? Because not that you have to necessarily engage, but like you said with your husband, he at least has an account. There's at least something there, right? There's nothing really to lose by having a couple pictures, an account as a selfie, so you know that that person is theoretically that person, you know, some like general information. So when people are really reluctant or really fight against it, I think it speaks to a mental state that I don't know if I can necessarily sympathize with or relate to in a certain way. Like I'm by no means a social media darling, but I still have literally every social media account there is. I'm more active on some than others, but it'd be pretty easy to validate who I am. And I think that's for me, at least when it comes to dating, that's what I'm after. It isn't necessarily, I need to have a perfect idea of who you are. You need to have a perfectly curated account. That's not necessarily my thinking process when it comes to what their social media looks like. It's just sort of like, is this representative or does this align with who you present yourself as, right? Yeah. Do they kind of match up? I got some interesting answers and some, some things I definitely have changed my mind on when I look back, like if I matched with somebody, I mean, years ago when I was like dating, if I like matched with somebody on Tinder and I saw they had an Instagram and this was, you know, before Instagram took away that, do you remember when Instagram had that feature where you could see what people you followed liked and stuff like that? Do you remember that? Yeah. 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 So like it was, it was pretty easy to like lurk accidentally, but (laughs) Because you could see (laughs) things that they liked. And I remember this one time I swiped on a girl. We started chatting. She seemed really nice. And I followed her on Instagram because she had followed me. And she was on vacation and she was coming back. We were going to meet up after that. And then I saw she liked the whole stream of these bizarre conspiracy posts that were just so I know just so bizarre that I mean I don't even remember exactly what they were about but it was it was beyond like political it was almost like it wasn't like an anti-vax thing or anything like that it was more like there are underground tunnels in New York that people live in and they're controlling the banks it was like one of those I was so confused Uh right I was so confused and I messaged her about it I was like hey um what like what's up with this and she was like (laughs) right I like didn't know what to say I was like hello and she was like yeah isn't that so crazy I just learned about that right so I was like oh this is not gonna work out and so I'm not bond with you on the mole people right I'm not on board with mole people legit conspiracy but I liked what's that movie not get out Jordan Peele's other one where it was literally Uh, like the mole people Uh, yeah I saw that and I was like I could get on board with this but like am I gonna be like wow yeah you know what this is happening right now probably not so I don't think it would have worked out between us and then I later found out because she was suggested in my Facebook friends recently that she's like a Uh cute 
person. So I majorly dodged a bullet, but also I was <laughs> like, I just got lucky, you know, but her social media likes totally informed me of a side of her. I had no idea existed. She had not mentioned anything right. like that. I probably would have figured it out. But in that case, I'm like, hmm, okay. I, I would probably want to go through someone's like Twitter likes or something like that. Just to, just to get a little taste. Yeah. But isn't that like such a strange notion yeah. like sort of like you're gaining access to their mind not necessarily with them knowing it and of course mm -hmm. like it's in the public sphere it's it's not hidden information so you're sort of opening yourself up to that i know like when tumblr was still a thing i made sure like my likes were private not like i'm hiding any sort of like that seems like a strange thing to share with somebody so for sure like yes like you definitely were able to like get a red flag that you might not have had knowledge to yeah. unless it was farther down the line but isn't that like a it, it's just very strange to me that that's like a way to like vet somebody yeah like, oh no they're like instagram likes were like not it yeah. like that's so weird to me like not in a bad way but it's just it, it opens a door to like like how much of our private selves are private right and obviously like that's a good example like obviously it could have been much worse right but then like where do you draw the line what if it's just like oh well they liked this post of horses and i think horses are evil like you know what i mean like that's a really <laughs> bad example like when you're getting to know somebody there is something to be said about like intimacy and like asking questions mm -hmm you know that level of relation but then if you have all that presented to you in an algorithm or you know a collection of posts that someone's liked that's sort of strange yeah and it, it speaks very much of our you know very post 9-11 surveillance everything totally. is public everything lives on the internet forever society but that also kind of it changes how we relate to people i think and i think that this question of social media and how that affects dating really speaks to that it's at least as i've gotten older you get these small windows into people's lives yeah. and you make snap judgments about it whether you want to or not whether even you're super aware of it or not it's ingrained and so now. instead of necessarily taking the time to get to know someone it's ingrained and you're also like oh you dismiss it people mm -hmm. become almost like they're just they're, they're just a swipe based on the small amount of information you've gotten about right. that person and that's just so wild to me that you can like reduce someone to their likes on Instagram, you know? Definitely. And I think it's a good segue into this next question that I asked people where I kind of rephrase the question just to see how people would respond to it differently. But do you have a preference of how your partner uses social media? Because that's a little different. It's like, you're not dating them. You're not just starting out. It's not like right before your first date, but if you've already been dating them for a while, does that preference change? And I got some pretty, really strong opinions opinions on this response, because there were some people that were saying, you know, I just kind of use it to vet somebody if I'm just going out on a date with them. And those same people were saying, but if he was liking other girls' photos, I wouldn't like that. So it's really interesting how that also, like you said, we are vetting someone through their Instagram likes. I think that becomes an ongoing process for a lot of people throughout a relationship. And I think people do it because it's just a reflection of how we interact as a society. Somebody was trying to make an analogy of like what an Instagram like would be in a different behavior, but I don't even think there is one because it's not like you would go up to someone and be like, Hey, I like you, but just in this one moment <laughs> and someone was trying to say, Oh, it would kind of just be like dancing with someone else. And I was like, that's totally not the same thing at all. It's its own separate entity. And everyone has a different opinion about what a like means. And I know that you have a similar opinion that of mine, not equating an emotional kind of like response with the like, but I think the responses I got 
we're so differently opinionated. I mean, people have really strong opinions about Instagram. Yeah. And I think that part and parcel of our upbringing in an increasingly digitized, increasingly social media focused society as a way to just engage with people in a very basic way. I think textual conversations, conversations through DMs, private messages and whatnot has very much become a legitimate form of communication, even more so perhaps than calling someone on the phone. Yeah. Um, it's replaced a lot of our basic ways of getting to know someone, getting in touch with someone, just engaging with everyday life. And I think it a slippery slope for sure. And my relationship with how I see social media has also dictated how I think about it from that other person's point of view. So to your example of someone getting maybe like jealous of someone liking a girl's picture or what have you. And then to your point of, well, what is that what is like the real world equivalent of that? And I think it could be something as simple as looking at someone attractive as they walk by on the street. Yeah. Um, like, and it doesn't even have to be like a verbal compliment, like, oh, I really love your outfit or something like that. It can be something as simple as, hmm, that was an attractive human being. I'm going to linger on them longer than I might perhaps another complete stranger. And if I were sitting with my partner and they were to look at somebody else, what would my reaction be? I hope I would be, you know, mature enough and um, enough within my own confidence to not be faced by it because it's completely natural. It's completely natural to find other human beings attractive. Right. And this whole notion of you can only have eyes for me, I can be the only person you find attractive is not only conceited, but it's unrealistic. And I think we have to sort of reframe our whole consciousness in terms of us being not only the center of the universe, but investing too much of our self-worth or our attention in indicators on social media. Let me ask you. So I know (laughs) that people, people often think, oh, it's only a straight thing or it's only a queer thing when it comes to jealousy and, you know, this whole tie-in of social media. So people often equate jealousy solely to like straight monogamous relationships. And in my experience in queer or polyamorous or queer polyamorous relationships, that is definitely not the case. And I want to know, like, do you think that jealousy and this whole idea of like, don't like someone else's photos can exist also in queer spaces or queer relationships? Yeah, a thousand percent. Jealousy is not, you know, like the unique emotion of this het society by any means. Jealousy is a primal human emotion. It's universal. And in some ways, I think it's amplified within aspects of the queer community because, for example... If you are a gay man, your potential dating pool has decreased exponentially, right? Mm-hmm. So it has, to, and especially depending on your level of, I'm just going to say toxicity, if you are only willing to date other exclusively gay men that look a certain way, that is going to further reduce your potential dating pool. Right. So it, it might sound like a stretch, but like that makes you more intensely aware of every other person. And then not to mention like racism and all of that on top of there, where it's like no Asians or no black, or like all that, that adds like, there's so many layers to that and, or even no bi girls or like shit like that. It's, it definitely adds layers to how small the dating pool is and depending right. on like how big your town or city is too. For sure. And so it's natural to a degree that your propensity towards jealousy or being possessive, I think those are kind of, they live within the same realm of having too much of an attachment to a certain thing or a particular person 
or a particular idea. And the point I was trying to make was not I'm trying to go off on a tangent about, you know, the toxicity of the communities, but that's <laughs> that's a pretty, I would say, fair, like you have like a decent chance of finding a potential partner. And then in my case, where I'm non-binary, I don't necessarily exclusively date people who explicitly identify as male, but I'm fat, you know, I don't have a consistent way I present myself in society. Sometimes I present more masculinely, sometimes more femininely. So you throw in these other factors and it makes it even harder for you to date. So when you see people who perhaps resemble the ideal that we've created within the queer community, and it also happens in the straight community for sure, there are definite beauty standards or are fed to us. So it breeds more jealousy because you're comparing yourself to these people that don't really exist. Yeah. So you're, so it kind of like seeps into how you relate on a dating level because you have this phantom in the back of your mind of the person you should be. And you're terrified (laughs) that that person that you like is going to see that phantom and not you and compare the two and dismiss you down the line. So it creates this very physicality-focused mindset. And so you're going to, of course, have, like, I think our generation can be incredibly toxic in terms of how we relate to jealousy. Yeah. Because some people look at it as just a way of life. Like, oh, yeah, it's totally normal for me to know the password to my partner's phone and just go into their phone, look at who they're talking to, look at who they're messaging. And I don't think that's normal. I don't think jealousy, while it's natural as a response, is not a healthy way to live your life or to relate to another person. Right. It's like a lot of other emotions, like anger, for example, is a normal, it's a part of the human condition, right? But it's how you react to your emotions that really defines your character. And in that case, jealousy, normal human emotion, so normal, but it's how you react to it. I've been in positions where I've been in situations where I was very jealous. And instead of taking it out on my partner, even if they did the, like they were in the wrong, I go and I tend to myself and I work on myself, but it, It took me a while to get to that point, but I sometimes I see these like videos on TikTok, for example, that are like, I caught him cheating. So I burned all of his clothes or I went through his phone and I saw him like a photo and now I've started a fight or like stuff like that. And first of all, I've been cheated on like more than once and I've never burned someone's clothes. That seems so That is such an overreaction because what, like, I know people are going to disagree with me. That's the thing too. People are going to be like, no, he deserved that. She deserved that. Cheating on someone, although it's emotionally horrible, it is psychologically so damaging for a lot of people. It's not an excuse to just destroy somebody's things or, you know, like it's, I am okay with you, like putting glitter all over everything, whatever, do your thing, (laughs) right? Like those glitter bombs and stuff like that. But I've seen people like smash windows of cars and stuff like that. And it's like, oh, he deserved it. Um, I understand you're angry and I've never cheated on anybody. So I know it sounds like I'm coming from that place, but I, I think that that's just not a, that's not a healthy way to cope with your jealousy. So it makes me, it's like indicative of like, what else are you not coping with well? You know what I mean? Exactly. I think this whole 
there's almost like this cult of cheating culture that's as much the people perpetuating it as the audience receiving it where it's almost like it's become such a trope in terms of television shows films there's like a whole genre of like the the wronged uh person like getting their revenge you know like fatal attraction as like a you know extreme example but you mentioned tiktok i've seen so many videos where like one person has caught the other person whether it was not even necessarily cheating it was just like they caught them in a lie right and they record themselves fronting that person and getting like that person's reaction and i think that like obviously like I'm not trying to defend the person who did the wrongdoing, but there's something incredibly strange, again, about creating like this product to be consumed and to put your private relationship on display for pity, for yeah. you know, for the consumption of the audience. At that point, then, and not in exactly the same way as someone who takes a baseball pack to their, you know, partner's car, but you're having a reaction to an event that is no longer necessarily appropriate one, like we said. And by creating this feedback loop, you're creating a narrative where you have to be the hero and you need validation that you are the hero. Mm -hmm. And it lives in a similar realm, I think, to this intense jealousy and a lot of these other emotions that our generation, I think, has kind of inadvertently cultivated by our very online lives yeah where where we have to win we have to be the hero we have to be the main character which is like the current trend right on tiktok where like pretend you're the main character you have to live as though that you're the main character and when you have this mindset it very easily slides into narcissism Mm -hmm. and then malignant narcissism which both of us have an intense relationship with um, (laughs) have dealt with And I don't think that, like you said, like you're creating a reaction that's no longer proportionate or appropriate to what happened. Yeah. Of course, like dealing with an unfaithful person is horrible. You know, your trust has been betrayed. Yeah. But the rational result isn't necessarily to, you know, it's very easy to like be on the high road and be like, oh, you never want to do an eye for an eye, et cetera. Yeah, when you're in that position, it's very different. And I don't want to make it seem as though I'm trying to judge people based on how they react in that moment. But you have to kind of stop for a second and think about what am I doing? How do I actually feel? Will this action that I'm taking actually make me feel better? Or will it just make it worse? Or, you know, create additional harm to a situation that doesn't need, you can just walk away at the end of the day, and it can just be done. But you're making a TikTok about it, or, you know, etc. And I... I share a lot of my life on social media, but there's so much that people have no idea about. And I work very hard and I'm probably like popping the the facade right now, but I work very hard to keep this idea that I share everything. And I'm like, aren't you entertained? You know what I mean? Like, wow, I'm going through this. And I talk about a lot of things that are serious that I do share, like my reproductive illness, pregnancy loss, et cetera, to garner a sense of normalcy around those topics. So people also know how to respond when someone in their life goes through that. So I've seen people on TikTok and Instagram, like get cheated on and make videos and say, I'm really hurt. This really hurt me. I'm really angry. This happened. And they sit and they talk it through. I kind of... Like, I respect that more than 
saying, I took this person's property and destroyed it because they hooked up with somebody on vacation. (laughs) You know what I mean? And I've been in that situation, as you know, twice in very serious relationships where the bombs just dropped on me that, hey, I broke your trust and nobody knew about it online. And it was more also because I didn't want my perception of what happened skewed by other people's reactions to maybe my reaction to it, because it's really easy to be enabled by an audience. And in reality, people only really see one side of the story, which I I hate that phrase, but when you're creating your own narrative online, everyone has their own corner of the internet. You're just creating what you perceive as the truth. And that whether it's good or bad, you know, is there that being said, I definitely believe like when people make allegations of sexual abuse and stuff like that, I that's not in the same category. I'm saying more like, you know, enabling people to go like, yeah, you know what, you should go slash his tires too. It's just because you want the entertainment and you're taking advantage of someone who's very emotionally vulnerable. And it's so true what you say about like the audience kind of being a part of that. For sure. And I think it also it disempowers you from the potential of a productive resolution. And I think that this intense obsession and utilizing social media as a tool, while of course it can be very beneficial, it also has weakened, I think, I keep saying our generation, but this goes for millennials as well as Gen Zers, I think, our ability to communicate effectively with other people. And I mean that in a way like I'm communicating or I'm letting you know how I feel or how I perceive things to happen. And I'm going to allow you to respond with how you perceived it to happen. And it's so easy to let things get lost in translation, whether it's exclusively things that we're witnessing on social media or, you know, how we're relating to how our partner uses social media or how even I myself use social media. You're like you said, you're only getting one side of the story but you're also only really being able to integrate your own perception of it as opposed to someone else's perception of it. Cause they could be completely different, you know, like these yeah. people who say that they get intensely jealous of their partners, liking other people's pictures on Instagram or feeling the need to surveil their use of social media. Like how easy would it be to just be like, Hey, like, I want to talk to you about how you're liking other people's pictures. Right. I know that might seem like really intense or overbearing, but it makes me uncomfortable. Like how like much more productive would that be as opposed to keeping all this inside or feeding this sort of, it kind of speaks to the narrative where you're the main character. So, right. you know, you're always right. You have to be vindicated. You can't see that this obsession with this very small facet of social media, which is also a very small facet of your own life, your obsession with this clouds so many other aspects of your lives and robs you of potential joy. And instead of just talking to your partner about it or talking to yourself about it, about how I relate to this moment, you keep going on these cycles, you keep perpetuating these mindsets that really don't serve you. And it affects various levels of your life. Yeah. And There's kind of two schools of thought with this in terms of how boundaries are crossed in terms of social media. On the one hand, you can say you can sit down before any of this because sometimes when people say, oh my gosh, he danced with another girl and I feel like he cheated on me. 
and I don't know what I'm going to do. And I say, well, did you set those boundaries in the relationship? Did you ever have a discussion about what your boundaries were when you agreed to be partners? And they say, no, I didn't. I just assumed that they would know. Culturally, you know, those two people might be very different. So he might think like, oh, it's just, I'm just dancing with her. And she might think that is not okay. You're touching her in places I don't want you to touch. So it's the same thing online. You can sit down and say, I don't want you like DMing somebody that you don't know in a flirty way. And if someone DMs you in a flirty way, I want you to shut it down. Or you can say, you know, that's okay as long as it doesn't go anywhere further. But on the other hand, it's like, you don't want to have to go through every single interaction possible and say what's okay and what's not. So there's kind of those like two schools of thought on that. It's like sitting down and making all of the boundaries and just talking about them when they come up. And I find that talking about stuff when it comes up, like there can be a gray area. Like I tell Victor, like, I don't care if you're getting like a ride home from a girl from work, but I wouldn't necessarily be okay with you and her getting drinks alone, drinking until like two in the morning and you sleeping over at her place, even if it was like on a couch, it would be weird for me. But am I going to like sit down and say that entire sentence? No, I'm going to say this is the kind of behavior that might trigger something in me. And it's my responsibility to work on it. But I'm telling you, hey, if we're going to be doing this together, could you respect my boundary? And it's so hard for people, I think, because they either don't know how to take up that space or the other person gets defensive, which I mean, this is a good conversation to have to test those limits in your relationship have the social media conversation how do you feel about people going through each other's phones i it absolutely boggles my mind right like it's such it's it's a behavior that i really cannot relate to i've never had that impulse i mean maybe when i was a child like i was like (laughs) oh like i want to get to the bottom of x y or z like i remember one time when i was really really young like my mother got a phone call and I wanted to know the nature of it. So I never hung up the other line. And I kind of listened for a while and I made the mistake of making a noise. And she was like, are you on the other line? And I'm like, sorry. And I like hung up. <laughs> but like, as like, even as I said that, like it's a very childish response mm-hmm. to need to invade someone's privacy. Yeah. And I think that it's normalized in our generation a lot. And I don't really, it almost makes, as we were talking about this level of jealousy, okay, it legitimizes it. It legitimizes this emotional response where it's okay that you need to know everyone's comings and goings, everyone's conversations. And when you're thinking about a relationship, you're obviously speaking to a level of implicit trust. As you were saying, it's level setting, it's setting expectations, it's having those conversations. Is it an exclusive relationship? Is it an ethically non-monogamous relationship, polyamorous relationship? You know, like what is the nature of our relationship? And what are the appropriate levels of communication? And I'm going to trust that you're going to stick to those appropriate levels of communication that we together have discussed, as opposed to me implicitly not trusting you and requiring constant inspection of DMs, private messages, text messages, what apps are you on, you know, all this stuff. I just, I would never, I would never allow someone that access to my life. And it kind of is like one, like it's inappropriate to request that of someone, but it's also inappropriate to allow yourself to be compromised in that way because it's a two-way street. You're allowing that jealousy to be fostered and then you're giving into that emotion. That's really interesting because, well, 
one, I'll say that um, I had full access to someone's phone because I worked with them while dating them. And we ran like a lot of the business off of their phone and they cheated on me and no indication on the phone. I wasn't going through it like their private texts and stuff like that. But when I was, you know, in office working with them, stuff like that, I mean, I was using like the socials on their phone because they had a better phone and there was no notifications. We shared an email and stuff like that. So you won't always find that info anyway. And most of my friends who, you know, went through their partner's phone and like didn't find anything, but still had this like gut feeling. I was like, just ask them. And if their partner was like, no, I didn't cheat on you, blah, blah but you can't shake that feeling. It's either anxiety and you probably need to work on that before being in that relationship or you're right. And in that case, you need to walk away too, which people don't like hearing, but it's true. And also this one time my friend calls me and she's like, I just feel like something's up with my boyfriend. I need to go through his phone. And I went over to her place and I was like, okay, please don't do this. And he was in this, I think he was taking like some test and he left because he used to have two phones, like one for work and one just for him. And he left his like personal phone at their place. She's like, well, I went through it. Like when you were on your way here and look, like he's talking to this girl, he's sending her photos of like random stuff. And it was like photos of like their groceries and stuff. It was so bizarrely mundane. She's like, I know that this is the girl. And I was like, don't do anything like rash. Like don't call her, like just talk to him first, but don't like let him finish this test and then have a discussion about it. She didn't follow that advice. And when I went home, she called this girl. Turns (laughs) out that this girl was his cousin's wife and she was headed to like the area for the weekend. So he wanted to like buy her some stuff to take back home. And he was like, hey, would love to see you. It's been so long. And my friend was like, oh my God, he's gonna hook up with her. And I was like, you went lurking. So your context for everything was, this is a breach. This is something bad. He's broken my trust because you're looking for that info. So everything you're going to see is going to just give you anxiety. That Right. And then also that being said, I'm in that headspace though now where like if Victor were to like go through my entire phone, like he would never do that. But like, I mean, sometimes I let him just go on like my Instagram to like look at some videos that I've saved for him or something. And he knows my passcode just because like if we were driving and he wanted to change the song or like whatever, but I've never once suspected him of like going through my phone. So I trust, like I give him access to my device, trusting that he's gonna give me that personal space. Does that make sense? Like yeah, has sure. my passcode because I know he's not going to do anything weird with it. You know what I mean? But if yeah. someone doesn't want to give you access to like hand over literally all their devices to you, it doesn't mean they're cheating on you. It might mean that they just have aspects of themselves they might not be ready to share with you yet or they're entitled to their privacy. For sure. And I think that there's this popular misconception, this popular popular misconception (laughs) that, you know, you're entitled to the entirety of someone's story. Yeah. And 
for example, to use my mother again, there's aspects of her life that I haven't, (laughs) Elizabeth, this is for you. Um, There's aspects of her life that I don't know about. Yeah. uh, Aspects of her past that we've never, and there's even things that I do know about, but I've never asked the details of because I don't feel like I'm entitled to that information. If she felt that I should know it, she would tell me. But I'm sure, you know, if I asked and, you know, it was reasonable, she'd tell me. But even in like an intimate relationship like that between like a child and a parent, which I think would surmount a potential partner, I don't feel entitled to all of her life. And as I mentioned with possession and jealousy, there's this misguided notion that we deserve to know everything about someone, like every secret, every mistake, every, you know, past relationship, whatever it is, you know, that we're entitled to that information. And I think that's, it's a really important thing to ask why, like, why do I feel like I need to know xyz about somebody right and i don't think that we as human beings one it's just a given that we can never completely understand another person it's just the nature of human existence yeah but also i don't feel as though i have a right for example for us we've been best friends for seven and a half years yeah. and there's aspects of both of our lives that we're not aware of or there's aspects of your past that i know that i just wouldn't ask about because right. either one like, I know that that might be upsetting for you or triggering or what have you, or it's just not necessarily appropriate. Yeah. And, and I respect those boundaries. And so what it comes down to is boundaries. And I think that every human being is deserving of and entitled to a level of privacy, a level of personal space that is untouched by anyone else. And that might seem kind of alien to some people, but, and as, you know, an only child who grew up lonely, mentally ill, didn't have a lot of friends, et cetera, I'm innately independent and innately private. You know, there's parts of myself that I've never shared with anyone else and might never, even if I meet, you know, my perfect twin flame or what have you, that I would still just keep for myself because you have to have those aspects of yourself that you keep as your own, that are untouched, that you can retreat to or turn to in moments where you need that. And having this idea that when you have a partner that you need to know everything about them, whether it's mundane daily things or more metaphysical or intense things. And I would call into question that perception and that presumption. In preparation for this podcast or this, you know, discussion with you, that was something that I was thinking about today was this notion of needing to be entitled to the entire contents of someone's mind, especially as we've been discussing with this increasingly public lives that we're living, that it is important that we have aspects of ourselves that are private. And like you said, it doesn't, and I'm not keeping that from my potential partner because I'm cheating or I'm duplicitous or I have a hidden agenda. It's just healthy. I think it's healthy to keep parts of yourself private, not because you're trying to be a horrible person but just because that's okay that's healthy and I think there's a lot of stuff that goes into this like if you process information on your own if you process feelings out loud your love language your apology language and your attachment style like all of this stuff totally relates to how we you know have our personal space and how much we let our partners have their personal space or respect their personal space and when I first started dating, Victor, and I posted him in my story. I made the misstep of I didn't ask him first because I was just so used to being around my friends in America and like everyone's just like, yeah, put me on the story. It's totally fine. And so I put him in my story and then he was like, oh, you know, and I could tell like it was a little weird. And he was like, maybe you could have asked me first. And so I asked him, I mean, 
I didn't take that as, you know, he doesn't respect what I do. I mean, I have thousands of followers, I understand. And it's not like I immediately was like, oh, that means that he is dating someone else and he doesn't want to be seen on my Instagram. (laughs) Because that's something that people might go to their first reaction, which might come from a place of being hurt before. And that's valid. But you know, you need to maybe sort that out because people are allowed to have their boundaries. And even today, I'll still ask like, hey, is it okay if I post this? Or if he does a project with me, we'll go over the ins and outs of it and where it will be just because I respect that he's way more private than I am. That being said, he supports how public I am. And I don't ask his permission to post like a photo of myself. And that's like something I don't understand. If you're dating someone and they say, you can't post you in that dress, or it's like, you're not respecting that person's wanting to do whatever the hell they want in their little corner of the internet. (laughs) You know what I mean? So I think it goes in both directions for sure. And that being said, there's also this like new code of conduct in terms of posting your partner. Like when is the right time to post? When do you introduce them to your Instagram followers? Especially if it's this is someone like you met and your circle of friends or your followers or whatever don't really know about. Do you post like a hint first? Do you just go ahead and post a story? And because I got a couple of responses like this that were like, well, I would be weirded out if he didn't post about me at all. And I was like, just ask him why he didn't. Definitely. And I think that that sort of relates to people's own maybe insecurities of the quote unquote legitimacy of a relationship. Like, yeah. is it Facebook? What was the term? Like Facebook, Facebook official. Um, Facebook official. Yeah, that was the Yes. Like if you post about it on social media, it means that you're in for the long haul or it's like the real deal, which is like a hilarious concept to think about. I guess that's sort of like the new, uh, what was the, what did the people do in the fifties? The, the ring. ring? When, uh, you're going steady. It's like going when you're steady, going steady. You got their pin, their yeah. fraternity pin. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that. Or like their letterman jacket or whatever it is. Again, it's this sort of like this concept of an audience and we're signaling to them that, you know, we have entered society as a unit. Right. Um, and the relationship. I think it's definitely, yes. And I think that, again, it's something that you can discuss with your partner where it's like, hey, like, how do you feel about us posting on social media as a couple? Or how do you feel about if I made this post, you know, or like this picture with this caption, etc. But I don't, I don't know if that's necessarily like someone posting about it you have no idea how long it's lasted like you know them choosing to make this post they could have been dating for months right they could have been dating for a couple weeks they could have been dating for literally like three days or something you know whatever it doesn't necessarily signal the validity of the relationship the strength of the relationship any of these there's no real way to quantify what this post means but of course like my relationship with social media would be different from my potential partner's relationship with social media. So like you said with Victor, you posting that was maybe too much for him in the moment or something he would have liked to have had discussed with him. And it doesn't necessarily mean, like you said, that like you were in the wrong or he was in the wrong, but it's something that it could have been discussed and handled differently. Yeah. But I think that like there is no like quote unquote time where it's acceptable to be like, okay, we've been dating for three months now. It's time to make a social media post, (laughs) you know, it's been 64 days (laughs) on the dot. Let me assemble my trumpets, you know, and announce it to the world. Something that is a kind of, again, it's a private discussion with that person. Definitely. You know? Okay. So we touched on a lot of the topics that I went through on my Instagram story and along with some uh, tangents here and there. 
which are always fun. We do love a good tangent. But I think that it's really interesting how different people's perspectives can be on social media and how it informs their dating choices. Wait, I just realized. Is there anything you want to maybe say about catfishing? Oh, God. How could you do this to me? I wrote the book on catfishing. You did. That whole empty thing really stole my jam. And I've been catfished more than once, which is, I guess, the ultimate comedic aspect. I hope you spit <laughs> your water out. And the original time was not even through social media. It was before I even was really using and cognizant of social media. And it was through fanfiction.net and acquainting someone and that person led me on for three years they weren't who they said they were and it lasted three years i was so desperate to assume like the best intention that i allowed my own judgment to be occluded but then it also has happened through tumblr i've made acquaintances but meeting these people through social media and then talking to them on other means and then elaborately finding out they're not who they say they are and i think that now in 2021 it's been how many years since my last catfishing incident like six years or so i'm imagining um, those like days since last incident like 602 <laughs> it's like a cross thread i've definitely gotten better at recognizing red flags as to catfishing whether it's the old-fashioned this person is clearly not who they say they are or like a robot which is, I guess, the new catfish. Robotic catfish is what's for dinner. Um, <laughs> and that's a really bizarre concept to think about. But I don't know, like, I sympathize with these people, like, on these programs where they're, like, realizing how they were lied to. And when they confront, like, the perpetrator, the perpetrator usually isn't apologetic. No. They're usually like, yeah, you're a fucking idiot for believing me. And, like, so unfortunately, I understand both sides of the equation because I, I felt fucking stupid. I'm like, yeah, you took advantage of me and I let you. So I'm definitely in part to blame. But I also feel for these people who genuinely got emotionally invested. And I vividly remember when I found out the first time, I like wept. I was so betrayed. Like it felt like the past like three years that I'd spent talking to this person were a lie because it was based on a lie and they allowed it to continue. And their excuse was, oh, well, I didn't want to lose you. And I was afraid that would happen if I told the truth. And it's like, no shit, but you know, you owed me that at least. And I remember driving to like one of my friend's houses in Florida and explain the situation <laughs> and her being like, what? And being sad, like in her bedroom and like ordering Chinese food and like playing video games and like dealing with it. But that was in 2012 or 13. Oh my goodness. I, one of the two. So times have changed since then. Like on the one hand, I kind of am impressed by people who can successfully catfish in 2021. Like there's so many ways to verify someone's identity, even dating apps now, there's an option yeah. to verify. Like I remember when Verify used to be like a sign of prestige, like it means like you're a celebrity or you're worthwhile enough to verify your identity. But now it's just sort of like, we need a way to make sure this person is who they say they are. Right. So take certain pictures of yourself doing certain positions to prove that you're a real person. But even then, a lot of people don't get verified and I'm not going to hold that against them. You know, I'm not going to be like, I'm not going to talk to you unless you're verified. <laughs> like I can, I can figure out person or not on my own now <laughs> perhaps not a couple years ago right but now that's a skill I think all of us have to have it's like okay so do these and I've sent you literally like pictures yeah. of the same person on their profile I'm like this doesn't add up this is not the same person right what do you think and you're like yes that is not the, not same, the person. same person <laughs> 
it's just unfortunate angles. Like sometimes, like I don't look the same at certain angles and that's just like the case. Right. So it's like, okay, so I'm a little bit suspicious. I'm going to look at their Instagram. I look at their Instagram and either it's insane posts like this guy and his birds that, yeah, okay, that's definitely that person, but I do not want to talk to them swiping left. (laughs) Or, yeah, you know what? I want to learn about the birds. All right, I'll swipe right. You know, it's like very much like what you do with that information. Or there is no Instagram. And then I'm like, all right, well, I can't prove either way. This is just a left swipe. Or if like you feel like morbidly curious and you swipe right anyway and like dance with the devil and this insane person that you feel like talking to. So I think catfishing is, I feel like it's almost like a non-issue in this day and age. I yeah, feel I think like so too. it's definitely like a what's the term for the 2010s the aughts is that what they're called or is that the 2000 and the 40s oh whatever no I always just say 2010s so not catchy though <laughs> it's such the early aughts slash te- teens tens yeah discussion yeah because like how do you there was no way to really prove people's identity or like it was like oh do you have a Facebook yeah and then like here's a Facebook that's fake but like it's a Facebook that exists and not now, everyone had a webcam so many not everyone could yeah, afford one. Exactly. And now it's like the selfie is like ubiquitous. It's just, you know, we all yeah. have this vision of ourselves that we want to convey to the world. And almost like if you don't have that desire, then that's suspicious. Right. Now we're so invested in these public lives that if people don't, it's suspicious. And not even necessarily in a bad way. You know, like we were saying earlier, like it's sort of a basic assumption that people have social media. When people are like, I don't believe in selfies. If you use filters, we're not a match. I'm just sort of like, get over yourself. Right? Like, there's so many ways to express yourself. And if you're going to limit your potential match with somebody to like this very narrow way of living your life, then enjoy your granola, you know, and enjoy your, I don't know, what's another boring thing? Toast <laughs> with no butter. Enjoy your butterless toast, Jeremy. You know, like it's... <laughs> enjoy your dry toast, Jeremy. Oh my goodness. Ah, we love a good selfie. We do. We are the master and mistress of the selfie. We really are. Well, thank you so much for coming on Beyond the Bedroom. We went way beyond the bedroom today, which is exciting. We went into the lawn. We went into the lawn. (laughs) We definitely did. If you want to check out Mal, should I put your Instagram? Yeah. And my TikTok, please validate me on social media. Yes. See, and if you want to date Mal also. I'm on Tinder. I'm on Bumble. I'm on Hinge. I'm (laughs) no longer a grinder and I'm no longer on Scruff. Do you see why I... Right. OkCupid, that's another one. So do you see why I picked Mal to come on this show today? Because they are an aficionado in both dating and social media and combining the two. So perfect topic for you. Want to hear longer episodes and bonus content? Head to my Patreon at bbirna for some journal prompts, guided audio exercises, behind-the-scenes clips, classes, and yes, longer podcast episodes. I hope you enjoy. I'm sending you all my love over here in Iceland.